Bonjour, hola, greetings. How are y'all doing? My name is Sean Tierney. This is For The Record, your weekly music podcast. Uh, come join us. Join us in For The Record. Listen to us. Enjoy it. Take it all in. Come at us on Facebook and Instagram, For The Record Pod. Um, I've tried to <laughs> to to get our, our Twitter going. And you can find that at Tweet The Record on Twitter. And you can tweet us or watch us tweet obnoxious shit. My first tweet was given out about a song that was released last week. So you can do that. With me as always is Mr. Zach Buggy. How are you, sir? I'm not too bad, boy. How are you getting on? I'm pretty good. I'm I'm tired, man. It's been a busy week and I'm after three coffees this morning. So it's all like it's clashing inside in my system and I'm like tired, but simultaneously buzzing as well. I know exactly what you mean because people might not know because we don't put this out in such a timely fashion, but this is the morning after Eddie's day. It is. I'm, that we're recording at. So we're both a bit croaky, as you said this morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah but I'm also, like, we just had a 20 minute discussion about how awesome Dillinger Escape Plan are, and I'm absolutely buzzing off my tits after it. Yeah. And you, <laughs> you know what, as well? I've actually realized that in our little fucking hype up convo about Dillinger there, that my missus has gone away for the weekend back to Ireland. So this is the time when I get to listen to all of the records that she fucking just did that give her a headache. And I just remembered that I still haven't listened to my copy of Miss Machine that I acquired recently. Oh, so that's the Ooh, first thing. Lordy. Yeah. As soon as we finish recording these episodes, the first thing I'm speaking is fuck Miss Machine and I've just got to kick my living room. That sounds yeah. like a fucking beautiful way. To spend an afternoon, my friend. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, as you'll have seen from the title of this week's episode, um, we're going to dive deep into the new record from British rapper Slow Tie. It's called Ugly. But before we get there, there was a big, huge, shocking turn of events this week as we record um, in the world of heavy metal, where a, a mainstream publication actually did something good in relation to alternative and heavy metal music. Can you fucking believe it? The Rolling Stone released their list of 100 greatest heavy metal songs. And, which absolutely blew my mind, it wasn't shit. I'm not saying I agree with all of it, but they hit a lot of really cool bands. They included a lot of cool shit. Um, Dillinger were in there. Crowbar were in there. Uh, Power Trip were in there. Um so yeah, it got me thinking. Um, I, I thought myself and Zach should talk a little bit about our favourite heavy metal songs or the best heavy metal song. Uh, just to give you a flavour of the Rolling Stones list. And again, like I said, I don't agree with all of it, but their top 10 was Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. And I fucking, I despise Iron Maiden. But I mean, it's hard to argue with that being in there, really, I think. I've always said that I'm Iron Maiden are a greatest hits band for me. I, when I was younger, I really vibed on the greatest hits, Run to the Hills, The Trooper, mm. Fear of the Dark. There's one or two deep cuts I really like. But Fear of the, the Dark part, is the only Iron Maiden song I like. The Fear of the Dark's a tune. It's uh, a great song, yeah. Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter's fun. Uh, and they, they had another song like Gallows Hill or something mm. like that. Uh, but it, I like, can't, they, I can't. they should be but included like, in a list like yeah. this. They, they should be like, I mean, that's fair, I yeah. think. 
Um, Run to the Hills is like, it's a classic kind of, I almost, I see Iron Maiden as that metal, it's like, you know, almost, in, in, not to be too weird, but like Motorhead, that, that's rock kind of thing. You know, it was like rock turning into metal, but mm. never taking the plunge into being actual metal. That's how I always see those bands. And I've mm. never, ever been a fan of rock music. So that really yeah. metallic rock or rocky metal, whatever you want to fucking call it, has, you know, no, that's, it's just my metal. I like, I need at least like Metallica, Megadeth, Thrash levels, like to, yeah. to have me interested, like. I'm kind of the same. Uh, similarly, with number nine is Holy Diver by Dio. I mean, again, it's a fucking absolute banger, but it's, it's you know, it's not my thing, but it is a great song. Um, yeah. Now, more uh, on both of our speeds is number eight, Raining Blood by Slayer. Yes, boy. Yeah. From the second best Slayer album. <laughs> we were saving that for another episode. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just love doing it to Zach, just to annoy him. Number seven is... What annoys hold on, what annoys me the most about that is I actually really, really fucking love Hates Us All, but you're making me resent it by saying it's their <laughs> best album. <laughs> I know. You can't all right, continue. We're That's my favorite thing about it. Uh, number seven is Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Again, can't argue with it. Number six well, it's not their best song, sorry. That's far from Sabbath's best song. No, I not think. at all. Um six is Crazy know. Train by Ozzy Osbourne. Oh love that tune. Same. That fucking that riff. Will stay with me forever. That of course, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, that blew my mind when I was a kid. Yeah. Man, love that shit. Number five is War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Um, I, that's I was literally when you mentioned Iron Man, I was like, oh, that's bullshit. It should be War Pigs. <laughs> I wish I said that now. Fucking yes, War yeah. Pigs deserves that shit. I love that song. I love that song as well, man. Um. Four is Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Judas Priest are a band I never really got on with massively. But Me neither. I mean, again, I think for a list like this in a major publication, they really do warrant inclusion. I mean, it's hard to argue with them. Uh, number three is Ace of Spades by Motorhead, which is a fucking absolute banger. But again, not really my speed. Um, number two is Master of Puppets by Metallica, which again, has to be, you know... You, you have to include it. Uh, number one, uh, I wouldn't pick it, but I mean, it's Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath from their album, Black Sabbath. It's the song that started heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, to put it at number one, I mean, again, it's hard to argue it, but it, it got me thinking about if I was to put together my list of, you know, my favorite metal songs. Um, So then I always think with these lists, there's a difference between what you think the best is versus your favorite, you know? Um, and I think that if I was to pick like my objectively best heavy metal songs, both of them are by Metallica and I find it hard to, to pick between them. Um, the first one is one because it's just perfect from start to finish. I think it's just an unbelievable song. And, um, the other one that I would pick from Metallica is Creeping Death because, it's so fast. It's so epic. It's so brilliant live. Everything. I think objectively, they might be the, the two greatest metal songs of all time. But you know what I might pick for myself? Like as in my favorite metal song. And I just mean pure metal, like rather than, you know, metalcore, or, you know, hardcore or anything. I just mean metal song. Is Imperium by Machine Head. Because it has... 
it has everything you want from metal. Like it's got fucking power. It's got brutality. It's got pace. It's got melody. It's got an iconic opening. It was, it just has everything you want from heavy fucking metal. And like, it's songs like Imperium that make me laugh at so much of the shit that gets passed off as heavy metal in 2023 because Imperium is where it's at. Like that's the bar. If you want to impress me, bro, you gotta, you gotta come at me with something as good as Imperium. So I think, I think that like, I didn't give this a whole pile of thought, but I was like, yeah, fucking Imperium is unbelievable. Like that is a stone cold 10 out of 10 song. Like that is, I think it's a Hall of Fame song and I, I just think it does everything that heavy metal should do. But objectively, I think you would have to go towards one or creeping death. That's there are my kind of potted thoughts on it anyway. How about yourself? You you just made me really depressed because I I'm just I've been brought back to that lovely time when Machine Head were like on that peak of through the ashes of Empire of Empires, is it? Yeah. And then the blackening. And like I remember hearing Imperium, it blowing my mind, loving through the ashes of empires, and then the blackening happening. And I was like, oh my God, talk about a redemption arc. This was like Brendan Fraser, but in a metal band. Like this was (laughs) redemption. Like they were like they they had ascended to this higher plane and everyone everyone liked machine head now yeah. and it was dope and now they're so bad that's just really made me sad yeah but fuck I, me uh, when they were good they were good man unbelievable man fucking savage just like you said just full on modern like american heavy metal and it was yeah. unbelievable unbelievable like, yeah savage shit savage yeah. I la- I was laughing when you gave your two Metallica songs because for me one is one of mine as well. Yeah. That song, that is, that song to me has just influenced so much of everything because like, it's got a breakdown. Love, in it. It's got a breakdown in it. First of all, it literally has a breakdown, which I think you know, start them young. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I love. I loved that song and I loved that breakdown before I even knew what a breakdown was. So, yeah. So, like, thank you, Metallica, for giving me my first breakdown. And then I think Slayer gave me my second with Angel of Death. So, like, you know, those bands looked after me early on. So, one, I mean, first breakdown, first, like, probably seven and a half minute song. Mm, Yeah, Uh, that's true, actually. That's, That's a great point. It is one of the kind of first epics that I would have been exposed to, you know, it's a, yeah, great point. Yeah. One of my first like lengthy songs. And then the fact that it was based on a book and then I, it made me go seek the book and read it. And then I loved the music video and it made me go watch the video. That song has so much to it. Like, and it just, it, it just put me on such a path. And I, mm. and when I go back to Metallica, cause like, you know, I, 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 I had my twenties where, you know, I kind of fronted on Metallica and now I'm like, I'm in, I'm 30 now, I'm nearly 31. And mm. now I'm, I'm back round to like, I owe them a lot for where I, where my taste is now. I mean, my, I, and when I think about like what I don't like about Metallica, but when I think about Kill 'em All, Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, Justice for All, that's one of the greatest four album streaks in like just any band ever. I would, I would definitely extend that to, to black, black album. album and 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 load as well man load gets so much unfair criticism i think but um like you're I talking about fucking 
seven, six records in a row of... I took, it took S&M for me to warm to the cuts off of load. Yeah. Yeah, they're just... Uh, uh, that's my why, opinion. you know, that's why I picked them for like the best metal song because they're fucking Metallica, man. They're... Uh, there was a phrase that I heard um, that Black Sabbath invented heavy metal and Metallica perfected it. And it's really hard to argue with. Yeah, that is, that's quite an astute observation, mm. as they say. I will say, though, I agree with you on one, but funnily enough, my other Metallica pick for one of my favorite metal songs, like just ever, is also cut off of Ride the Lightning. Uh, it, and not Fade to Black, even though I just love Fade to Black. I love Fade to Black, tunes. man. Fade to Black's incredible. And it's oh. so, it, it still feels overlooked to me. Not enough people seem <laughs> yeah. to talk about Fade to Black. I know. I'm like, it's always puppets, battery, or yeah. sanitarium. You know, I'm like, it's like, have you heard Fade to Black, though? Fade to Black, man. Fade to Black off of Ride the Lightning. That's like, that's why there's an argument for Ride the Lightning being the best. I, I think I saw a meme recently and it was like, you know, it was like, I'm not sure if it was The Simpsons or, but it was like Puppets and Justice for All. And it was like, I'm the best album. I'm the best album. And then it was like, home with like the lightning. And it was like, you know, you're my favorite. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, right, you know, everyone's always arguing. But it's just like, yeah, but right, the lightning is actually the real best one that no one talks about. So for whom the bell tolls anyway, uh... that fucking song just gets my dick fucking soul oh, every time I hear every that time. bell call and that riff come in yeah man yeah I, man I, I've seen Metallica twice and the second time they performed Pulse in its entirety but they didn't do For Whom the Bell Tolls and I remember like my buddy being like, dude, we got puppets in full. I'm like, but they didn't fucking play <laughs> Beltos. I was like so pissed off they didn't yeah. play from the Beltos, man. Like yeah. sour as fuck over it because yeah. that song is just, uh, th- that to me, they're two. And they, I think they though, those were like my two entry point songs from Metallica, one in Beltos. Mm. And to this day, they're two of the greatest metal songs fucking ever. Absolutely. Now, in terms of like a personal favorite, that is a toughie. It's kind of hard to say because I don't actually listen to that much metal mm. anymore. But I definitely think if we're talking modern great metal songs, this is going to sound pure cliched, but I'd say there's definitely a case to be made for some of the early Lamb of God material. Absolutely. Like, they were another one like, I really considered. Just like high points in like, I mean, this is going to sound incredibly on the nose, but like Redneck oh. was a song that everybody knew when we were Everyone. teenagers. Everyone knew that song. It became like a hit and it still just had everything about Lamb of God, this, this fucking grooving Southern tinted riff, but like this really intense fucking visceral drumming and percussion. And then Randy Blight's just immense vocals. And, but then the hook, like I saw that in the Point Depot in Dublin and you just had it go, the waves of energy that song would create. And it, and it just, it, it was a hit that everyone knew. Yeah, to me, if I had to just throw a stab in the dark, I think Redneck is one of the best like pieces of 21st century heavy metal. It's one of the best modern heavy metal songs ever, I reckon. And it, it, it's just a high point in metal music. Absolutely no arguments from me. I do 
much prefer my favorite is as the palace is burned but that's a conversation for a whole other day oh same that, that's my favorite Lamb of God record as well and that's what I would even mention in someone like fucking Pantera and you know like the whole heavy metal thing is such a, a wide conversation and uh it's it's it puts me in a really awkward position as the as the kind of the host of a podcast. How do you transition from the greatest heavy metal songs to slow tie? I don't know. So <laughs> let's get to slow tie. Ugly. Um, there's a clunky segue for you if there ever was one. But yeah, this week we're gonna, <laughs> we're going to talk about ugly by slow tie. Um, so this was this was your choice. Um, Slotoy um, is Tyron Frampton. He's a British rapper from Northampton. And there ends my knowledge of him or his output. Um, I know that I've listened to uh, Nothing Great About Britain. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's his debut. Yeah, because yeah, I saw a lot of people like kind of, uh, you know, Frank Carter and a couple of people like that were were bigging it up a good bit. And um, I listened to it and it was fine. I, 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 nothing on it. I was like, oh shit, this is amazing. Um, I didn't, um, I didn't listen to, uh, the second one, Tyron. Um, but I know that you're a huge fan of it. Yeah, I actually, I'd be the same as you. I wasn't that impressed with nothing great about Britain. It didn't really do anything for me. And I listened to it because I saw the hype it was getting. It got Mercury nomination shit. So I would, I just went and like checked it out grand but like never even thought of any of the songs again or anything like that and then i'm a huge brockhampton fan and their fourth album ginger has a track that's like it's like an interlude track but it's just rap verse slow to play. and i remember i didn't know it was him and i really dug that verse and i, I listened to the album a good few times then they dropped the video and i realized holy shit that's slow to play, spitting that verse and then not too long and then a year year half goes by and Tyron comes out, and I first heard of Tyron through Joe Talbot from Idols. He put up a post saying, uh, like, because him and Slow Tie are very tight. Uh, he was just like saying that the new Slow Tie album is brilliant and he loves it. And I said, oh shit. I was like, maybe I'll check out that new album, Slow Tie album for the crowd. And I was really impressed because I really liked the, the, the album has a very conscious, you know, two halves where the first half of the album, all the tracks are like really gritty and like hard hitting and aggressive and angsty and snarled and snarly and fucking just real fun kind of aggro, like punk inflected, like hip hop. And then the second half of the album goes in like a, a much more like melancholic introspective direction. And a, even, you know, there's production features from Mount Kimby and James Blake is on a track and, the second half of the album is like, it's like the first half of the album is slow tie, and then the second half of the album is Tyron, kind of being him like being a bit more vulnerable and shit. So like all, all tracks in the first half of the record are in all caps, and then all the tracks in the second half are in lowercase. So it was a conscious kind of just two halves of like the, the two sides of this character almost. And I just really loved the album. I loved the production. I loved the kind of concept of the two different halves. I loved the features uh, cancelled with Skepta, which which I thought was, I thought I really liked that because I was surprised in this day and age when Tyron came out that it was successful because, you know, they tried to cancel it and usually when you try and cancel anyone anymore they get cancelled but like 
the whole thing with Slow Tie was stupid. Like he was at an he was at the NME Awards, like presenting an award with some woman that he knew. And Catherine Ryan in him. Catherine Ryan and he the comedian, and yeah. he made like yeah, and he made like a he made a comment or something like about how she looked, and but like apparently it was banter like and some fucking like. SJW in the front row was like uh, you sexist or misogynist or something <laughs> like Slotai's a bit of a fucking hothead like I mean he comes from like rough enough ends so Ty basically like threw I think he threw his drink at him in the crowd and like tried to jump off the stage and knock fuck out of him so like it, it was a bit of a bad bad a bad one like but it wasn't something you could fucking cancel someone's whole career over, like in, in all fairness. So like, I really thought like that track cancelled with Skepta was very ballsy to like, just be like, <laughs> how are you going to cancel me? Like my chicks are fucking great. I love that kind of shitheaded nature. And then, like I said, the, I think the, it the was because really... he was, um, he was getting the hero of the year award. Um, uh, <laughs> he for, was, yeah. for bringing out uh, Boris Johnson's severed head, I think was was kind of the main motivation for it. And I think then he made um, these remarks that were kind of sexualized comments about Catherine Ryan. And I think it was the kind of irony or the juxtaposition of the hero of the year is making kind of sexist comments or whatever. Um, but like, I mean, he apologized wholeheartedly for it. And you, you know, I think as well that. I think it's a very slow tie thing to like start a fight and get kicked out when you're getting the hero of the year award. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that adds to the chaotic character, I think. So, but I really liked then how the second half of Tyron, there's like the second half of Tyron has some of my favorite songs of 2021 Feel Away, NHS, ADHD. They're all brilliant, brilliant songs. And they showed like, number one, they showed a vulnerability, but then they also showed some real kind of like dark demons and like, you know, like references to drug dependency and like suicidal thoughts. And and it really just, it showed this, you know, even with all the success he's garnered and like the fame and, and his like aggro kind of posturing he has in a lot of his tracks. It, it showed this real like startling kind of vulnerability to me and it really left a lingering effect. So like I, I ended up getting tired on vinyl. I loved it. And I saw, I've, and then it's, he, I haven't really heard from him since, since Tyron came out. Like I really enjoyed the album. Haven't really thought about him again. And then just earlier this year, I saw that like in work that like, oh, in a few weeks time, Ugly's coming out. So then I like did a little research and saw that his third full length Ugly would like, he worked with, um, he worked with Ethan P. Flynn, who is uh, an up-and-coming kind of like indie singer-songwriter here in London. He did a collaborative track with Black Country New Road, uh, and he's toured with them a bit. And then, I can't think of his name now, but the main producer from Jockstrap, that duo with George Ellery, who's also a member of Black Country New Road. So, like, he very much enlisted people from the modern kind of London post-punk scene and brought them in to, like... So so immediately my my interest was piqued that like why do you think there was such little kind of fanfare for um for this record because like you said like I mean I'm not you know I'm not fully in on Slaughter and like the, to me it was just like oh there's a new Slaughter album it's out today almost you know I I didn't even 
I didn't hear about it in the run-up even. And, you know, even scenes that I'm peripherally interested in, I'm usually like, oh, there's a new fucking Idols record or there's a new Black Country New Road record coming or whatever. But, but I didn't even know about this until it was released. And then you were like, let's do an episode about it. Do you, was there any reason there was no build-up? or? Not that I know of, but like from what I've seen, like some of the music videos have been up for a few months, but so he has done some bit of a rollout. But even when you look at the music videos that he's put out for this new album, and even when you listen to this album, I think this isn't a mainstream darling. Like this is not, I don't think this is nothing great about Britain. I think this is a, this is a kind of a tough album to market because it's, to me, it's slow tide. In in my mind, it's it's him making the album that he's kind of always wanted to make because, like, he's admitted that, like, growing up, he was, like, just as much into grunge and punk and post-punk mm-hmm. as he was into hip-hop. And just because of his, just because of his abilities and where he was and what he was around, hip-hop was the music he kind of fell into and started making and found that that was the music he could do on his own and, like, have people make beats for him and... And and that and that's kind of what grew his popularity, and he found his voice through making hip hop. But now he's at a stage in his career where he he's like in the same circles as like like I said, artists in the like uh, like the burgeoning post punk scene here in London. And he's probably he's the, like, he's the machine gun Kelly of the London music scene. Oh, oh, that's a don't you say that's a bad word. That's a derog. You can't just even use. There's no good way to use that machine gun Kelly fucker's name. Well, he he started off in rap, and now he's moving into the music he listened to when he was a kid. I mean, it's obvious think, parallels to our Lord oh, and Savior, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, you're 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 provoking me now, and I and I don't like it. I think it's I think it's I think it's funny that it. I think it has more in line, not sonically, but I think it it's reflective of Lil Yatty who this year put out a new album that's very much psychedelic pop and Tame Impala inspired and is a complete 180 from his usual stuff. And Slow Tie has done something similar here. I don't think there's a complete and utter abandonment of his previous identity or as a rapper or a hip-hop artist, but this album is definitely more of a post-punk project or, or, a, or a punk meets hip-hop project where the the lines are kind of blurred on this record between like and there are moments that still feel a bit more traditionally alternative kind of hip-hop but for the most part this is like a blurring of post-punk and hip-hop and punk rock and almost in the same way that like i find idols are a post-punk band that lean into the punk aspects of it and sleaford mods are like almost hip-hop inflected post-punk like kind of like the streets social commentary but reimagined as like a in a punk way and slow ties kind of i think ugly is him really realizing that he can kind of he can slither in between all of these sounds and he can kind of actually like you use different producers and like to basically create music inspired by the stuff he grew up listening to but actually kind of absorb it into his identity rather than just genre hopping and losing the sound that he he has always had like this doesn't feel like there are one or two tracks that it's like holy fuck this is different which i'll get into soon but for the most part i don't think this album sounds like this can't be slow tie this sounds like holy fuck yeah this makes sense Mm. that he that he can move his sound in this direction 
Okay. You've been relatively quiet so far. I have been relatively quiet because in the run-up to this, um, myself and Zach have been going back and forth about the album a little bit. And uh, I know that he's been very excited about it. And uh, I, dear listener, was not at all. Um, just not any anything I'm interested in. Um, so I said it was going to be really good fun when we discussed the record. So let's start that, shall we? Um, do you want to kick us off on Yum? Yeah. So when I came in <clears throat> to the album, I because I'd read that like the producer and pe- musicians he'd been working with and the the influences he had going into Ugly, I assumed off the bat that it would sound like a post-punky hip hop record, but it doesn't. Yum, the opening track, sounds like clipping. It literally has this fucking terrifying industrial, almost hard techno slamming minimalist beat that just builds and builds and builds. And even his delivery at the beginning, he's like, it's almost spoken word and these deep breaths. And he talks about being in therapy and his therapist telling him to breathe more. And you, it almost sounds like the fucking beginning of a panic attack. The, the track, and it's like such a bold way to begin your record with just this fucking industrial pulse and like this fractured spoken word fucking deep breathing like losing the run of himself until it finally breaks out and like talking about like the botched sex and like just fucking getting absolutely destroyed on drugs because he can't think of anything happy when he's sober so he just takes more drugs which makes him feel worse and the track just keeps building and building into this fucking furious it and it like i was really taken aback because number one it's just strange for slow tie but number two especially because i i knew that this was meant to be his like toe dip into post-punk and shit that was not how i expected this album to go what did you make of you so, um, you mentioned Clipping there. Um, yeah. and Clipping are a band that both myself and yourself hold in extremely high regard. They're literally one of the best artists currently operating in the world. Not in hip-hop, not in just in music. They're operating at a fucking extremely high level. Um, and just bear that in mind. <laughs> um, the opening line of this put my fucking hackles up. You're good. You're great. You're good. You're a king. You're a queen. You're a genius. It is so idols. I was immediately like, oh, for fuck sake, because you know, you know how much I fucking hate idols. I, I just think they're the most overrated band. I I don't get it at all. I think they fucking suck. And you're wrong. You're wrong. We're not getting into that. We won't, we won't get into it, but it immediately, man, I was just like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. What has Buggy got me listening to now? What am I in for? Then this song kind of pivots into the full track. And, you know, it's got that insistent, the drug-fueled chorus and the kind of gritty intrume- instrumental. And as you said, it sounds like a panic attack. And this does sound like clipping. And this is of comparable quality to clipping because this is fucking excellent this is absolutely brilliant and for the most part this whole fucking album is excellent yes this album this album is absolutely brilliant man it is so so good i have been 
I've been surprised by musical artists before and everything, but this was just a monumental surprise. And it was such a welcome surprise as well. Uh, I mean, this like, is why this is why I wanted to review it with you because I I wouldn't have just been like, oh, let's review the mm. new slow tie if it just sounded like same old slow tie. Yeah. But I knew there was enough here that it would it would catch your attention. I you fucking knew it. I'm delighted. Man, this is this is absolutely brilliant. Like genuinely, I know I know we're at the just at the top and we're not giving our our overall impressions yet. But I I'm just I I have to say it. I'm going to hold my hands up. I, I was not not into this at all the idea of it you know I was like oh for fuck's sake and then that first line and it sounds like idols and I was like oh for fuck's sake and then it just it just keeps going and it's brilliant throughout um Sooner is absolutely fucking banging I love Sooner it reminds me of the King Blues when they were good if they were a little bit more post-punky and it's got that like the jangly indie guitar work it works so well and you know that line in it which says you are what you eat uh, I must be nothing Jesus Christ, yeah. it's fucking devastating, yeah. man. Devastating. Um, I just want to, I want to rattle through a few thoughts about a couple of songs and I let you circle back then to whatever you want to get into on it because um, I know I skipped um, the second track, Selfish. Um, Feel Good, I think is absolutely brilliant. I need to see it live. Like, I just want to see that song live. I'll be bouncing around like, it feels so good. Yeah, it feels so good. Um, Did you see the video for Feel Good? No. It fucking, because Feel Good is like, Feel Good is probably one of the strangest tracks on the album because it is, a, and I even, I wrote a review of the album for work and it's funny you said about seeing it live because I literally mentioned that Feel Good is a song written to play at a main stage at festivals. Oh, and in big the time. Of the day, everyone just go fucking off. It's a proper yeah. old school indie pop song. And even yeah. the, even, you know, I'm so happy that it hurts deep in my side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And it's great. But, but the music video is because it's like the track that's the strangest for him because there's no rapping. He's he's singing in this mad inflected kind of tone. The video is them. They went to like 20 or 30 different slow tie fans gaffs and, and set up a camera in their room and showed them the song before the album had come out and just filmed their reactions to the song. So like you can just see them all kind of hearing the tune for the first time and they're like, holy shit, that's him. That sounds really different. And, that's really and they're interesting. all like, and then halfway through, Slow Tie comes into their room and they didn't know he was going to come into their room. So then like, they're all listening to the song, deep listening for their first time. And then they look up and Slow Tie's in the room next to them, like Dad said. It's a fucking great little video, man. And, it's just, and it is like, uh, and I love, I love songs that are, you know, a song that feels, a song that feels really, really just sickly twee pop happy. But then you're kind of like, oh, it's because he's not. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. that like juxtaposition. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. great, man. Um, I did like my expectations for this album were like nothing really. Like they weren't lower, they weren't higher, whatever. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect like Mike Skinner levels of of storytelling and like. Are you talking about never again? Because never again. I'm I'm just gonna say before you say anything. <sighs> my first listen to. This album, and I'd already mentioned how much I love Tyron, and the second half has songs that really hit me deeply. My first listen of Ugly, I was on the tube to work like a week or two ago, and by the time Never Again ended, Never Again's like track six, I think track five, track six. Track five or six, yeah. 
Yeah, and when before by the time Never Again was over, I was a mess of tears. Man. Like I was bawling on the tube. Like thank fuck it was a quiet day. Like I was like I was full on like hot, like having a I was streaming tears from the fucking song, man. Man, this this album is like 39 minutes, I think. Uh, so I've listened yeah. to it. I've listened to it a lot in in the time since we decided to review it and between now and then like I have I don't know, maybe 8 to 10 times like you know, I've listened to it a good amount of times. Every single fucking time, man, never again gets me. It absolutely kills me. Like, it's absolutely amazing, man. It's like the whole narrative, like, I'm actually getting emotional. I can tell, yeah. Like, it's actually, man, it's so, so upsetting. Like, it centers around this person he had a relationship with. Even, like, the line about he met his parents in the supermarket, it's almost like there's a distance between them even, you know? It's like, how are you? How you, have you been? And, you know, how how's your girlfriend? And they're like, oh, she's no, fine. I, no, it's, I think it, No, I think he's he's meeting her parents in the supermarket. Oh, yeah. okay. I th- uh, the first verse is him bumping into par- the parents of an ex, and they're like, oh, how are yes. you been? How okay. are you doing? And he's like, oh, trying to be mature and be like, oh, how's my ex, like your daughter? Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And that makes like, much more sense. Good. Yeah. And then if you, yeah. And then like they, they, they explain that she's with a new fella and has kids on, and another one on the way. On and the it's way, not yeah. Well, yeah. And, and it's, then, then the and, second verse, he meets her. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, and that whole thing of the, that even that before it gets to the tragedy of the third verse, that second verse, how well like his narrative ability for all like the tracks where he can like just go hard as fuck or be really sarcastic with his delivery when he goes full narrator and he and he pulls back like facade and you hear like you really feel that that what could have been energy between him and 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 the the ex he's talking about when she and he says you know uh, I'm proud that you became everything you said, uh, everything everything you said you'd be before we like was, ended was or done. whatever. And then I know yeah. it don't mean much, but you make me beam up, and I hope you get everything you ever dreamed of. Ah oh, man, it was. Yeah. And then and then it was the line after that. It's uh, taken aback, like a cat grabbed my tongue. Then she grabbed up the pram, and in a blink, she was gone. And the way he delivers that, like we haven't got to the to the, to the tragedy of the third verse yet. But yeah. you get a sense of finality, and it's like, yes. and in a blink, she was gone. But I just wanna, I wanna point out the, um, the still got pictures on my phone. I still sleep on your side of the bed. I reflect on the things I should forget, the things I should have said. I wish I did. And you're just, it's so heartbreaking. And directly after it, he says, "In a blink, she was gone." He goes, "I walked away," and you're just that's like, Ethan, "That's Ethan P. Flynn who does the that right." Okay. Thing opening vocal and the I walked away yeah that's that's Eaton P. Flynn he, he did the production on a few tracks and that's him singing that that chorus and that refrain on that song and then he's, he's a talented boy in the third in the third verse you get the revelation that his ex ends up getting murdered by her husband um, and like the whole I'm just going to read the whole verse um, because I think it warrants it I think it's a really brilliant piece of storytelling um, I was in the barbers listening to the gossip on an, on the news a local girl was murdered by her husband. They had two kids and they both had drug problems. Two seconds didn't register and then I felt worried. I hurried to my phone, butterflies in my stomach. I rang her older bro. He started screaming. I said, what's up? 
He couldn't get the word, so I hung up, then I jumped up. I ran to the block. There were sh- there was flowers on the shop front. I dropped to my knees, then I seen a pretty picture. The one she cut me out that was still up on her Insta. Winter Wonderland, eat- eating walnuts in December. Every day I remember, like the 5th of November. And you're just like... Even in my shitty delivery there, like, I mean, the it's it's devastating. It's devastating on an extremely like uh, an extremely deep level like this sense of like you said what could have been you know and then and, and it's that it's that level of artistry for me the cuz i just love i love how the like, emotional it is but i also love when even with how devastating and minimal the track is it's little just the little touches like the fact that at the very end of that final verse you just have ethan P. Flynn one more time just say I walked away Ugh. and and you kind of get hit with that. It, 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 like, it's almost that thought of like, it, it's not on him, but it is that thing of like, maybe if I didn't walk away and I tried to be a better lover that like we would have stayed together and she wouldn't, or like we would have been together a bit longer. She would have met someone else or, but that I, it's almost like he feels responsible in a sense because he walked away from the relationship. Yeah. It, it's, oh man, that's not, like the first, the, like you, every time I listen to the album, that track kills me. But the first time I heard it, I wept, man. It oh, fucking man. hit me so deep. And you know what? That, even though it's only the midpoint track on the album, like I had said earlier, with how much I love Tyron and how much of those songs really connected with me, they never again just, it cemented it for me that like Slow Tie is, he's he's deserving of all of the praise he's garnering because he's a fucking severely talented dude with many shades to him. And then we get another shade on Fuck It Puppet, which sounds like a kind of old school New York hip hop to like a really fucked up, like distorted filter. And this kind of criminally vicious delivery of this grotesque, suicidal kind of inner monologue, like really horrible, like really nasty. It's only, I think it's like a minute and 15 seconds or something, but it's like, it's gritty and it's grimy and it's, it's, you know when someone <laughs> gives you too much information and you're a bit like, uh, I'm not sure if I wanted to know all of that. That's the kind of feeling I get from Fuck It Puppet. Um, not in a bad way. Not that I, not that I don't like the track. I don't like the track. Like I don't enjoy it. But it's yeah, it's it's really really good and it's got this really but, like grim view into Slaughter's mental state. And it's still high, but it then. I love, that's another thing I really love about Slow Tie. It almost reminds me of Tyler, the creator, in the sense that he paints these pictures of like his debilitating mental state and his drug dependency, but he still has like this snarky humor to it. Like the way he's got the off, like with he's got his pitch shifted and his voice sounds like it's coming through a phone and he's arguing with himself and it's like his inner monologue. Like he's like, you know, I'm depressed. No, you're not. I want to kill myself. You wouldn't do it anyway. You wouldn't do it you know, anyway, just, yeah. Yeah, just do some more drugs, man. It'll make you feel better. And then that whole idea of like, you know, uh, leave me alone. Okay, bro, man, delete my number from your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like fucking like the whole idea of deleting that. Like you can just delete that fucking voice in your head. You can't like. Uh, I want to for a minute before we go any further, because we're at, we're kind of just going back and forth on the tracks now. Yeah. But I re- but we kind of we we breezed over selfish, mm. which is my one of my favorite tracks on the album. Because after Yum, with the, the really clipping and dead industrial clusterfuck of an opener, Yum 
Yom, Yom is kind of what I expected from Ugly, but at the same time, it still really shocked me because it has almost this, it almost has like this Idols meets Interpol bent. It has this New York City kind of frosted post-punk pulse to it. And his fucking delivery, even just the, you know, the practice gratitude. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thankful for the life that I lead. I kiss my son before I put him to sleep. Yeah, You know, it, like, it, it, it's almost him trying to like fucking... It, 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 you know, I'm, and that, that, that refrain of, you know, and that the, I'm just thinking for myself, and he's like getting really frustrated. I'm just thinking for myself, yeah. like, and it's, it's almost like it's, it's almost this horrible thing to think for yourself is the image I'm kind of getting there, like, and he's like, I'm, like the whole idea of I'm not being selfish. I'm just trying to like, just trying to figure it out for myself. Mm. You know, people suck dick to climb a pyramid, but he's kind of saying like, I, but I don't judge that if people need to. He, it, it's a fucking fractured, sprawling, fucking aggro tune, and that just that. It has this fucking dark pulse, man. I, I think selfish is a cracking tune. It's a great song, and you know the kind of reference to um, uh. The rich get rich, and I've been one of them. I see it in my friends. The jealousy they want to be me. The grass ain't always green on the other side. You know, it's like he's been to a level that some of his friends will probably never achieve, and he kind of, you know, he's uncomfortable with it almost. He's uncomfortable with a level of success and fame and money that he's achieved. But um, yeah, it's selfish is fucking great. Like when I skipped over it in my initial thing, I wasn't skipping it because I think it's a weak track or anything. It was just. I just wanted to talk about some of the other stuff as well. It's you fucking should, great, man. You should check out the video for Selfish as well. Um, I don't know, like, it seems that for the he he almost he's filmed. You know, on YouTube, like you'll get visualizers for, for songs, mm. and sometimes they'll actually be a real filmed visualizer. Like he 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 made visualizers for every single song on the album. Okay, so like. There's like ones where he, I think there's one for Happy, where it's just him sitting on a, in a rocking chair, watching a TV on, like, just on static in the dilapidated house. But it's re, you can tell it's not a loop because he, like, starts moving how his leg is. And fo- so, like, there's, there's almost like a lot of performance art in the music videos and visualizes for his album Man. and for selfish. Just because you mentioned it, I fucking love Happy. Happy is unreal. Happy is I, unbelievable. That that hook, the I would give yeah. anything for a smile. That fucking oh, I get chills, man. Because it's just, it's so pleading, like you know, it's so like so desperate, you know, in its sadness. Like it's fucking brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I, I yeah, I, yeah, fucking happy Even, is excellent. And again, it's that he paints that great picture of like through his delivery and his character of you know, you know, hiding the fucking hiding the misery behind just your your banter. Like you know, it's okay to cry, okay to cry. H a p p y, h a p p y. Yeah, I would give anything for a smile. I know. Like, it's, oh. it's it's. It's fucking unreal, man. It is. But yeah, brilliant. but to bring it, back, bring it back to Selfish for a minute, the video for Selfish is him in a boxed room that's all mirrors. And it was like an exercise in self-reflection and where it was just him for spending 24 hours in a room of nothing but mirrors mm. with a bed and some food and a bucket and some paints. And like, and the video, I think I'm, I'm not sure... I don't know if it's real or not, but they, they they make it seem like it's real. But it seems like they shot the video 
for selfish like on one take toward the end of his time in there and it's just him like lurking the fuck out in this room of mirrors it's like one way of mirrors so the camera's outside just going in a circle following him freaking out to the track in the fucking room it it's a powerful video man holy shit yeah th- this album is um th- you know what th- this album is intense that's it a is. word i think needs to be said it is intense. It is intense. Uh, like, really intense. Uh, this is something I was going to kind of keep to the end. But just when you bring up the intensity of it, uh, I kept thinking to myself that this this album, I, I think, is very, like, soundtracky. Like, you know, I think that I keep thinking to myself that if Train Spotting was set in London instead of Scotland, that this would be the perfect soundtrack to it. Like, I just think that that insistent kind of drug fueled that fucking, uh, you know, the the electronic drums and, you know, that really like pounding rhythms and everything. I think it would work well in that kind of movie or like a Guy Ritchie movie. Like, I think Happy would work really well in a Guy Ritchie movie. And so would um, uh, What's Funny as well. Do you know, it's got that fucking swaggy, aggy kind of, you know, just that fucking What's Funny, you know, that kind of pure like Larry geezerish vibe but never strays into like Danny Dyer you know you know what I mean it's like it's much more I, it's not as comical as something like that like you know I couldn't agree more I think it actually and I, I think you saying that is a testament to how this album really sonically blurs the lines between British hip-hop post-punk punk rock indie it like the way a mood like that would have that kind of sprawling British soundtrack this album like is a distillation of all those sounds together yet feels natural for Slothai still it feels like the album he was always destined to make it's um it's a kind of I would say it's a testament to him as a performer and as a personality that for an album as musically diverse as this like for something like um 25% Club it's like a dreamy kind of acoustic nightmarish folk song almost in a way you know like to go to like something like what's funny to go to something like the opening track you know it's it's so different but his strength of personality is like the through line it's like the it's that that binding force that kind of keeps it unified and keeps it together um and he takes like so many disparate uh influences like there's stuff like like idols and as you said, Interpol, Clipping, Eminem. But I think there's a spirit of like Frank Carter as well. Like, you know, there's there's Gallows. There's also Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. They did that more poppy post-punk thing, which I didn't really like. But he's taken some of that, that electronic program drums, and he's made it sound vital. And like, as I mentioned, um, the King Blues. And I do think it's got like touches of like someone like Underworld, like Born Slippy. You know, there is that kind of, yeah, you you know it just it it takes from so many different touchstones, and I think that have, he he holds it together brilliantly, like a kind of master conductor, like you know. We haven't even mentioned falling, which sounds like an old late nineties fucking like indie classic. Yeah, it sounds like a Stone Roses song or something. It's got that kind of slackery vibe. Um, falling for me would be the one song that I think is a little bit of a nothing song. I'm not you know, sure. I, 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 I agree. I would agree with you initially. 
But the more and more I listen to the album, the more Falling feels almost like like an interlude. Even though it's like a full band kind of song, it the lyrics are like only two lines that he yeah. just repeats over and over. So I think I think there's a conscious decision for it not to be a song song. It's almost it's not a singular anthem, even though it has this anthemic feel. It almost feels like an extended anthemic interlude, if you get me. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I I mean, it's a nothing song in that it doesn't add to the musical tapestry. Okay, I wouldn't, yes, I wouldn't take it out of the album at all. I think its placement is actually really great. And again, just to come back to that, I, I mean, I think coming from alternative music and music culture and stuff, we we kind of give frontmen a lot of credit and the strength of their personality and everything, but. It would take a hell of a fucking frontman to hold this record together, I think, because if you if you were to take Slow Tie out of it, the sequencing could almost be kind of jarring, but it absolutely isn't because he's that that constant, that continuous through line. Um, yeah, if this you, this, if this record is fucking fantastic, man. I'm I'm all about it. I'll put it this way. How many other artists working today in slow tie circles could you give the in the, the finished completed instrumental to yum and to feel good and ask them to put and put those two songs on an album together? Like not a lot of people could, man. And no. slow tie makes it seem so natural because he because you said his character and his presence, yum. Yum feels like this horrible, distorted, nightmarish introduction to his mental health issues and his therapy sessions, his drug-fueled like fucking debauchery. But and then like so when you get to something like feel good, then you're like, this is the same guy telling you, like, you know, I, I feel so good. It's like, no, you don't, man. Like we we you already showed us Yum. We showed how you're doing. So it's almost like it's almost like you're getting this vision of that that guy from Yum putting on some headphones and listening to some Kaiser Chiefs and being like, no, I feel good. Life is good. You almost like it's a soundtrack. You almost you're almost following him on this journey through the shit he's going through. Um, something you said there actually, I think, is the the main reason that this has resonated with me. Um, the one of the, the the only things I ask for from musical artists is that they're honest, that they're... Sincerity is key. Sincerity is key. Yeah, always. Regardless of genre, sincerity is what I primarily look for in anything. And every word that comes out of the speakers are my headphones from this record, I believe. And I am moved by, and I am energized by, and I'm depressed by, and I'm upset by, and I'm horrified by... But I believe every fucking word, every single word that comes out of this guy's mouth or his collaborator's mouth. This, I believe him and I believe everything he's on about. I believe that he's had fucked up drug problems. I believe that he's in therapy. I believe all of this stuff, man. And that, that to me is when an artist can, can really dive into the muck and the mire and emerge with fucking bangers on tour with hooks. You know, even that kind of Yuji, Elwa, Yuji, Elwa, Yuji, Elwa, the title track, you know, it's so like, 
lackadaisical but it's such an insistent hook like it sounds like the pixies from lower class england like you know what i mean it's fucking it really, great it really, man it really does and i love that you know the, the world is ugly the world is ugly yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, yeah and I'm, like, I'm all about this man all the fucking about I'm this fucking, i'm fucking thrilled because i like i'm not sure if i could go back and check out tyron I do Tyrant. I really love it, but I never like because I I wouldn't really think Tyrant to be your thing that much. So I didn't really ever be like, oh man, why haven't you gone back and listened to that? But as soon as I heard Ugly, even a buddy of mine at work who wouldn't be the biggest like hip hop modern hip hop fan, he loves like diggable planets and old school shit like that. And but he really likes clipping, and he mm. and then he loves like post punk, and he's got a great taste. But I would have never in a million years thought to recommend Slow Tie to him. And when I listened to Ugly, I went up to him and went, check out that new Slow Tie record. You'll really like it. Mm. And the other day he turned to me on lunch and he said, that fucking Slow Tie record is unbelievable, man. What a shout. So I it's knew, unbelievable. Yeah, I knew you, I knew I had to fucking force you to listen to it through the podcast because, and when, when I was getting your messages where you were throwing me off, I was like... <laughs> You were like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm like, how is he not? Like, he's got to be closing his ears. He hasn't enjoyed this because it's so good. So, like, I'm elated you like it because I would have been questioning your fucking, your moral values and your ears if you yeah. couldn't have hear the sincerity and the artistry and the energy and angst that's pulsing through this record. Like, oh, it's, it's great, man. Um, just something that might even blow your mind even further. I think, I'm not sure. Um, because my list is only kind of farming, but I think this might be my favorite album so far this year. It's the because I love the Zulu album yeah. so much. Zulu is still my number one, but this is literally right after Zulu. It'd this be Zulu are my favorites. They're up there, and there's another album by a band called Eyes that I fucking really love as well. Um, there's been a couple of good albums so far this year, but I I'm the more and more I listen to this, the more I'm convinced that it's. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I don't think it's a work of fucking genius or any of that shit. Like, you know, I'm not going to go way over the top. I don't think this is a 10 out of 10 record, but it's excellent. Like, this is an, like, absolutely an 8 out of 10 for me. Like, and a good, solid, straight down the line, 8 out of 10. I've no questions about it at all who knows where I'll I'll be at the end of the year. Am I going to think it's maybe more of a nine or whatever? But like for me right now, after my kind of week or two with it, this is an eight out of 10 record. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted you made me listen to it because I, I really, really love it, man. I, I think it's, I, I just think it's excellent. And it's an early front runner for one of the, the, the great albums of 2023 for me. I agree with everything you just said. Eight out of ten, one of my favorite albums of the year, and I am fucking delighted that you listen to it and that you like it. I'm chuffed yeah. now. I, I I decided no, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw slow tie into the ring and ask Tyranny to check it out. I'm delighted because it's it's cracking. I don't think this is this is weird because it's actually set the bar for both like most intriguing hip hop record of the year so far and most intriguing just like alternative rock post punk record so far. Can I ask you? No, I, I, like, I'm not, I don't want to spend too long on this because I don't really give a shit about genres too much. And I don't think Slow Tide does either, given that this record is what it is. But like, would you categorize this as a hip hop album? I feel like it's an alternative album from a hip hop artist. Yeah, 
I'm I, not sure if it's a hip hop album. I think there are there are moments. There, there are, are definitely are between me. But like uh, like uh, what did you say earlier? Fuck it, puppet. Fuck it, yeah. puppet is probably the most reminiscent of. Fuck it, puppet sounds like a lot of the cuts off the first half of Tyrant. Mm. Really short and angsty and fucking dirty beats and. Mm. But for the most part, you you are correct. This is more. Uh, this is an alternative post punk album by a hip hop artist, and you can mm. hear that. In, and, and I think he. He's able, he's redefined himself through the fact that because he's a rapper, this almost sounds like this sounds like a post punk album with a singer who has the cadence of a rapper or has the flow and delivery of a rapper. That's kind of, you know what I mean? Definitely. That's a really cool way of putting it, actually. Yeah. It's like just I I think a lot of that 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 post punk thing that I don't vibe with a lot of the time is because of the fucking vocals. And like again, I don't believe your man from idols. I think that's my main issue with them. Like that's, that's my main problem with them. I just think it's kind of slam poetry for fucking middle-class English people. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, <laughs> I just don't think it, man. But like, Slotai has a fucking, he's got a swagger. You know, even when he's talking about his mental health and talking about going to therapy, there's like this kind of fucking just this swagger and this kind of attitude and this charisma to his, his delivery that I think elevates it above a lot of that, that other stuff that I'm not as jazzed about. It's the therapy session in Yum, where he's like, you know, uh, my therapist said, Tyron, you know, just think when you're trying, when you're angry and you're trying to just take, take a deep breath. Imagine you're on a staircase and yeah. each step down is another step down from that level. The funny thing is it only pissed me off more. Like, yeah. What am I paying for? <laughs> like that real sardonic moment. And then, and then when that beat, when the fucking in- industrial goes, duh, 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 yeah. and he's like, you know, work so hard. I deserve to not give a fuck. I love, I love that. And then him talking about having debauched, coked up yeah. sex with your one. She's like, babe, I want a golden shower. How could I refuse? I've got a couple of loose screws. It's like, ah, yeah. like, fuck, I don't need to hear about all this shit, man. It's fucking br- it like, and, and from that moment, you realize he's like, I'm bringing you everywhere with me. Mm. I'm bringing you to the fucking dirty rave and to the sex with this fucking weird one. And I, I'm like, I'm showing you my suicidal thoughts and I'm showing you how I've like, I, there's a, I, like warts and all that, that's mm. what this album is that's why it's called Ugly this is yeah. an ugly fucking record but as Joe Talbot from Idols who you keep talking shit on even said when Ugly came out he just put up he put up a post about the record and he said Ugly has never sounded this beautiful and I thought it was a lovely yeah. way of describing the record Jesus if only his lyrics were as meaningful as that but anyway <laughs> This is a discussion for another day. It is. Let's keep uh, this. We've 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 got made progress today with you. Yeah, like we have. record. So let's uh, just let's let's appreciate the victory. Oh man, I I more than like it. I think it's I think it's absolutely excellent. I'm fucking delighted to have listened to it. I'm delighted we do an episode about it. And I just anyone who's listening, if you were a bit like me and you're coming from a, a different point of view where you're like, ah, oh, more of this shit again. Uh, no, this album deserves all your time and attention at least 39 minutes of your time. It's worth it. Like you will not regret this in the slightest. It's that that's uh, it's thing. really excellent. I'll uh, the last thing I'll say is that for an out like Tyron is 35 minutes and Tyron feels really short because it's two halves and so you kind of really appreciate each half as almost an individual unit. Whereas because of how like instrumentally and sonically sprawling ugly is and because of just how fucking 
how much darker lyrically the emotions are here and, and like and how much raw the delivery is. And the fact it's only four minutes longer than Tyrant, but it feels much longer in a sense that it drags, but it just feels like you're kind of like you, you feel like when it's over, you've been through so much that like you can't believe you've only been sitting there for 40 minutes like do you know why i think that is i think it's what you mentioned earlier the intensity like you know dunkirk the christopher nolan movie like yeah it's like only an hour and 20 minutes or something but it feels 40, like it's an, hour, it's an hour and 40 minutes but because chris nolan's films are all three fucking hours it feels like it's only an hour and 20 years but you know you can't fucking breed for most of it it's so intense and it's so fucking oh my god and you feel like you've gone through this three-hour epic, you know. It's a bit like that with the Slow Tie record, that it's like, it's so intense, it's so full-on, that by the end of it, you're like, oh my God, that had to be an hour and 20 minutes, was it? Nope, 40 minutes. Yeah, excellent. Excellent stuff. Um, Just just check out fucking Ugly by Slow Tie, because it's fucking killer. I think that brings us to an end of episode 40, 45, don't you? I think it does too. I, I've seen... I've even seen, like, I haven't read much reviews about this album, but I do know that our favourite Melon, The Needle Drop, mm. uh, uh, he gave it a yellow check shirt review. I just oh, saw really? the thumbnail, which usually means that he really rates the album. And the only other thing I've seen is that Pitchfork gave it a shit review, which is Pitchfork, like, through and through for you. Pitchfork said the album sounds like uh, the type of indie landfill that only a record exec who knows nothing about music could like and every comment was like people being like, wow Pitchfork way to be so edgy on an album that's actually fucking brilliant like everyone was like Pitchfork trying this is just a, one of the most blatant examples of Pitchfork trying to snob a record where everywhere it's resonating with everyone and everyone's loving it and it's getting all this acclaim and Pitchfork just had to be like no it's it's boring cookie cutter. And I, I I saw that review before I listened to the album and I was like, no, I think I'm going to like this, but I hope it's not just like... And by the time I was finished the first listen, I was like, that fucking Pitchfork reviewer talking out their dickhole. Like. Um, just a, a spoiler alert for anyone. If you don't want to know what Anthony Fantano gave it, turn away now. Um, he's aligned exactly with us. He gave it a strong eight. There you go. Yeah, and I, I think that's bang on. Man, how can a music publication hate music so much I know it makes no like fucking pitchfork suck man if you think this is indie landfill go listen to fucking Razorlight and tell me that this is the same fucking thing oh man they're the fucking worst I hate them do you know what I, do you know what I hate but just before we wrap up I will say and I was thinking about this again recently because I've been vibing a record that I'm loving at the moment that got like 8.2 on pitchfork best new music even though the review was just really poorly written shite and it made me just think one of the main fucking things I hate about Pitchfork is that Pitchfork's writers, for the most part, are pompous and pretentious and politically charged and put their own fucking values and ideals over the actual thing they're reviewing. And they slate or give middling reviews to so many great works that the odd time they decide to actually give a fair praising review to an album that deserves it it almost becomes this like sign of merit for the artist like pitchfork even liked your album you know well done it's like people put so much stock in what pitchfork think because it's like 
10 albums come out of, a, of the same standard and same genre and Pitchfork give nine meh reviews and then give one a great review and it's like, oh, we got such a good review from Pitchfork. It's like, it's like a fucking lottery, lads, because there's 10 albums that sounded just like yours that deserve yeah. equally good praise that Pitchfork just shit on. So they, it, it just made people like fucking fight for crumbs, which is not what a music publication could do. Same reason I fucking hate Enemy, but this is a, an episode in itself. It is definitely, actually. You know, and I think, you know, Pitchfork is maybe everything we try not to be i mean i yeah. know that we can we can get a little bit up ourselves and a little bit pretentious when we want to but i think we try and avoid the pretension and we just kind of you know give our actual opinion like you know what i mean i mean if i was just sticking to my guns and being like no slot i is shit i would have listened to this and i'd be like yeah it was good or whatever but i'm just gonna slag it off because it's cool to slag it you know like what's the fucking point in doing that what is the yeah, point in in denying yourself good music just because it's the cool thing to do or whatever? Fuck that. And man. and maybe that was the pitchfork etiquette in two thousand five, two thousand six, where like you know, music reviews were kind of like less popular online, and pitchfork were like the oh they're the like trendy ones who hate lots of shit, and it's hard to get a good review from. But like we're at a stage now; it's twenty twenty three. There's so much music. There's so many great artists. Like mm. it's so it's just try hard and contrite at this stage to fucking it is. yeah. Pitchfork's outdated as fuck, man. But yeah, I just wanted to I wanted to kind of point out that the only negative review I've seen of this is from Pitchfork, whose opinion means dick. So check out Slow Tie Ugly. It fucking slaps. It fucking does. And uh, check out the rest of our episodes as well. You can find us Facebook and Instagram for the record pod. Like I said, tweet the record and Twitter if you fancy getting involved there. And I try to be a bit more active over there as well. Um, so yeah, my name is Sean Tierney. Thanks for listening. Uh, this was Slow Tie. Ugly. Um, music is the best. Bam buggy. And um, bye.